Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today. Detroit is different. Back in full effect. I'm bringing back a guest that wasn't here not long ago, but, oh, man, it's a lot of fights. It's a lot of things in the mix. And one of the big things that we're talking is economic justice in Detroit. Economic justice in Detroit is something that balances opportunity for everyone here. And Lord knows Detroit needs some balance and opportunity. So Detroit People's Platform representative, Great interview before, but this time we just giving you some information. Theo Pride, how you doing today? I'm doing good, my brother. How you doing there? Oh, everything is cool, man. Everything is cool, man. So um, with this, you have a presentation for us today. Absolutely. Uh, economic justice for Detroit. We're talking about the budget, moving forward, going forward. Uh, I was in a presentation where you talked a little bit about this. So please share with us uh, what's happening and what's going on. So we know what's happening right now and how Detroiters need to be engaged about the city budget. And really, we do play a role in the city budget, though city council plays a big role as well. That's absolutely right. Well, um, Detroit People's Platform, um, along with the Equitable Detroit Coalition for a long time, have been active um, in the process of fighting for economic justice in the city in a multitude of ways. Last time I was on the show, we talked about the Community Benefits Ordinance. Uh, uh, this time I want to talk a little bit about uh, DPP's budget justice work. Um, and it, it really goes hand in hand with uh, what's been going on with the CBO um, and uh, fights for equitable justice all across the city. Um, and right, just to get jump into it, um, I want to highlight development in the city. Right. The development approach right in the city of Detroit is highly problematic, uh, not for white folks, not for. Uh, wealthy uh, developers, but particularly for black folks. Uh, why? Because development in de uh, the city of Detroit, it typically leads to two really, really problematic things. One is black displacement. We're being pushed out of the city, um, and that's an empirical fact. 25% uh, of the white population in Detroit over the last 10 years has increased by about 25%. Not that much. Uh, that's about uh, equates to about 15,000 folks over the last 10 years. Again, not that much. Uh, but as we see this trend increase, uh, what we could see in the next uh, 20 years or so, right, and certain type of demographers have been looking at this, right, we can see the white population go up uh, to, to levels that uh, um, significantly, right, drop the black population here in the city. 17% uh, of the black population has decreased over the last 10 years. That's about 100,000 folks. Um, and that's because when development comes into the city, what it is doing, right, is building luxury housing. It is building housing and development does not cater to the average black Detroiter. Uh, sometimes it really drives up property values. And we got to remember over the last 10 years, Detroit has switched from a majority homeowner population, right, to a renter population. And a lot of that is because of the land grab that occurred during, right, the housing crisis. Um, and so uh, Detroiters were overtaxed. Uh, brothers and sisters, uh, right, lost their homes to foreclosures because of predatory lending and all that type of stuff. And you've seen a massive transfer of of capital uh, and land, right, from, from, from black people, right, to white bankers. Okay, right? so, so you gave some of it 
in the land grab. Mm-hmm. You're giving some of a definition. I want you to go a little deeper into that so we can understand where we're at and what happened and how did that happen. Well, when when I speak of a land grab, right, specifically in the context of Detroit, right, I'm talking about the way in which um, a group of people, in this case, right, black homeowners who have owned their homes since the 1940s, the 1950s, the 1960s, uh, the 1970s, and so forth, they've owned their homes. Uh, maybe some of them paid off their homes. Uh, and because of predatory lending, because of the trickery and the financial institutions, institutions, what they did was take out a second mortgage or a third mortgage and so forth, right? And it sunk their home in debt. Um, and, and when I talk about a land grab, I'm talking about the way in which uh, those with power, those with power in terms of capital, political power, right, intend to take land, right, typically from a group with less power for particular purposes, uh, political power, or just power to just to make money, right? In this case, I see it as both, right? Uh, to, to move black people out of the city of Detroit, right? To then carve out a certain um, kind of, uh, of regimen of political power that caters to white developers. We've seen Dan Gilbert, we've seen the Illages and so forth benefit from these type of politics with, with uh, Mike Duggan and so forth. Uh, but then also to economic power, right? Uh, a lot of the development that's occurring in the city of Detroit are not helping kind of the average Detroiter economically. What it's doing is it enriching white folks as we'll, we'll, we'll see in the next point, right? Another thing that, right, the city purports is that the development is, right, they justify the development because of what it does is it creates jobs for Detroiters, right? And this is simply not true. It creates some jobs, right, but it doesn't create jobs for Detroiters, right? A lot of people don't know this. Only 25% of the jobs that's in Detroit are actually held by Detroit residents. Hmm. So that means 75% of all the jobs that are in Detroit Right. Are held by suburbanites outside of the city. Um, And this is another one. Right. The jobs that we do get aren't the good jobs. We get the shitty jobs. Right. We get the low wage service jobs. Right. So when we look at the job creation, a lot of people don't know this as well. The average wage in the city of Detroit is eighty five thousand dollars. That's the average wage for a job in the city of Detroit. But the average wage for a Detroit resident is $40,000, right? So that disparity tells you that, right, we aren't getting the high-paid jobs that are in the city, right? And the the, the jobs that we are getting, right, are, one, in the suburbs, they're low-wage, but even in the jobs that that 25% that we get in the city are low-wage shitty jobs. We aren't getting those uh, uh, 85,000, 100,000 yearly uh, uh, salary jobs and so forth. We aren't getting those good jobs. So so what happened with the land grab is even impacting things that are currently currently I guess, proposed or uh, written or, um, you know, planned in the budget today? Um, I, 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 what I would say is this, is that, right, when we look at development in the city of Detroit, right, mm-hmm. development just doesn't ha- happen haphazard, right? It is planned out. It is absolutely planned out. And when we look at the budget, right, the budget is allocating money, right, four years, five years in advance, right? And so there is a vision for how the city should look. 
And when we go and we look at how the city is being planned out, right, the strategic uh, uh, neighborhood frameworks, the SNFs, right, in partnership with Invest Detroit, right, they's, they've expanded it to, to more neighborhoods, right? What they plan to do, part of this, right, it, it feeds into, right, black displacement in this sense. They are targeting, right, catalyst uh, areas, meaning how do we put how do we put certain amenities and developments into neighborhoods that then spur density, right, in the influx of people? Well, the way in which you do that, you make the, the neighborhood more attractive, which is all fine and dandy. But if there are no, but if you have a population of people, right, and they are stuck at $40,000 a year or lower, right, the, the average median income, we got to remember in the city of Detroit, is $32,000. So we are dealing with low-income folks in the city of Detroit. And so if you aren't increasing or if you aren't improving the material conditions and the material reality of the people of Detroit, but then you drive up the cost of living in the and the cost to stay in the city, what you do is economically push them out of those neighborhoods and then eventually, right, the whole city um, uh, uh, to other parts uh, of the metropolitan area. And this is what's happening, right? There was a recent study by the University of Michigan, and it showed that all the development that is occurring in Detroit every year is a push, it's pushing about 9% of Detroiters out, right? Every year, 9% of Detroiters are being pushed so out of the city. So this, essentially, for everybody listening, when you get into another discussion about gentrification, these are some talking points that you can use because sometimes we look at gentrification, and I'll even say that. Like, I would rather live next door to some, a person that feels like they would choose to be here than as opposed to a person that feels they're trapped to be here. The challenge becomes that the person that's choosing to be here is being encouraged. They're being... Uh, like the place setting is being made, the culture, the making, the 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 quality of life amenities, uh, dog parks, bike lanes. I'm just throwing out a couple of examples that stand out to people. But uh, those are the things that they're looking for, whether we think of like the bus riding populace, you know, there has not been a mass focus on, you know, better bus stops, uh, protected shelters for those and mm -hmm. things that are more commonplace in the city of Detroit, especially when we think of the amount of people that work outside the city and you highlighted that in that presentation. But I just wanted to give that point there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so the other part in terms of development that's really hurting uh, black folks in the city of Detroit, right, is how development is done because of all of the tax incentives that's given away the abatements, the tax increment financing, all of that type of stuff, all of that stuff given away for the sake of development leads to massive public disinvestment on the other side, right? So DPP, we did a kind of an analysis and we showed that about 80 to $100 million a year right, are being, right, foregone, right, because of tax incentives. So that means that, right, because of tax incentives, right, there is $100 million missing, right, from our general fund every year that would have been there, right, if it was not for the tax incentives. So so in, in, in Makari language of that, for you all to understand, basically it's like this. A billionaire business owner has an idea to do something that says it will help the economy and it'll bring jobs to the city and be a great attraction. So then the city will turn around and say, guess what? You don't have to pay taxes for 25 years. So if the billion dollar business isn't paying taxes, who would pay taxes? 
And then we look at a populace of people that are labeled as American on average in poverty, that taxes, that tax bill is falling on us. Uh, as we've already know, we've been overassessed on our property taxes, and even that balance is only coming back to a, a, a certain date, which kind of coincides with a lot of the incentives to bring a new Detroiter <laughs> to Detroit. So this is where we have to be very keen and mindful of some of this development that looks like development is being paid for by us. That's absolutely right. And you can think about it in this type of way, right? Uh, and the CBO is, you know, is... Right. So developed with community this benefits. The community benefits ordinance is developed with this with this kind of notion in mind is that we are right investors in these projects because of the tax our tax dollars going into these projects. Mm -hmm. And since we are investors, just like anybody who is an investor, they should be at the table making financial decisions, economic business decisions as to what happens with that business. Right. And so how 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 are community folks and residents able to come to the table, right, and make sure that they benefit from the from 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 the development and not just the developers, which typically happens. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of the massive uh, public disinvestment, uh, we also did another study at DPP and we showed about one point six billion dollars over the last 10 years have been awarded. Right. And tax increment financing and tax increment financing. Right. is simply just the way in which taxes are captured. Right. To then finance a particular project other than right. The type of things that you see right in the budget, like libraries, right, schools, uh, streetscapes, uh, police, what have you. Right. Um, and so that is tax money being captured. Right. And financed a use for finance uh, to give to typically private developers. Uh, so but $1.6 billion awarded, not necessarily doled out uh, as of yet, but $1.6 billion awarded in TIFs. Why does this all matter? You see how much money and, and public money and it has been given away. That takes away from our schools. That takes away from our libraries. That takes away from our parks. That takes away from our rec centers. That takes away from community development. That takes away from neighborhood development. That takes away from green spaces and so forth. All of those public amenities and public investments that improve the daily life and the well being of the average Detroiter, those things are being starved and we are being robbed of those services and programs that benefit us. And so it's terribly uneven in this type of sense, right? Um, and so a lot of times what we're told by the city is that, well, it's not the tax incentives. And, and matter of fact, we never even hear that discussion about the impact on tax incentives on the budget, right? But what we typically hear in terms of the public disinvestment is, or the lack of public investment is that we're, 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 we're budget starved, right? We aren't raising the revenues that we mm -hmm. should raise because of the way in which so, the economic climate has changed, deindustrialization, what have you. So let me speak a little, Kari, on that. So this is the media game with it, and that it comes out all the time. You'll have usually like a, a press run. You'll have like um, older black woman, older black man say, we need something in the city, and I can't get nothing in the city. And then a political figure will present himself and say, we do need more in the city. 
The challenge is we look at the city, everybody's not paying taxes. We can't invest in our city as if we were in Chicago or New York or San Francisco. So to bring something to the city, we have to incentivize these businesses. The best way to incentivize a business is to give them something for free. Give them money. Let them want to be here. And we want you to be a part of this project, too. So usually you'll see, like, a person from the community front it out, then political figure front it out, then business person just presents itself out of nowhere like, I got a solution for you. I want to say in the farming space right now, especially my green justice wares speak to this often. Uh, we remember this a couple years back. It was a man that said, I got all this idea for what we can do in urban farming and urban renewal. And you saw this haunts group everywhere. I saw him in my D business. I saw him in my Cranes Weekly. I saw him on the news. I saw him shaking hands, as I say, with those uh, neighbors in the black community, a couple political figures. And then we're like, okay, so what's going to happen? Well, in exchange for me to be present, I'm going to need some money. We need some tax incentives. We need free land that you're obviously probably not going to use. And also, I'm going to want to do this with autonomy because that's the other angle of this. So the autonomy is meaning freedom, meaning that sometimes usually when we speak business, it's transactional. So it's an arm's length transaction. So if I'm in business with Theo, it's like, OK, I will give you the money to start whatever Project A is. But. I'm going to want to have some protocols. I want to look. I want to see what's going on. I want to have my people on the ground. I want to look over what's happening, how it's happening. I want progress reports. And then if things aren't going the way that they need to go, guess what? That loan, that land, that tax abatement, that's nullified. You now owe. And that's the other angle that's so tough with this. It's not just that the public-private partnership line is so blurry in Detroit, it's that even when these deals are made, when we think, okay, that seems like a fair deal, no one is coming back with the consequences the way the consequences need to be laid down. So continue. No, you're absolutely right in terms of clawbacks, um, in terms of looking at the development agreement, um, in terms of looking at the, 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 the CBO agreements, right? Like, how are these things, right, um, regulated, mm -hmm. right? How are these things policed, if, if you will? Um, that, type of, that type of oversight is, isn't uh, up to par, and it's not being done, right, uh, the way in which it should. But, right, even on top of that, right, uh, the deals aren't fair. They're never fair. No. They're never, never fair, right? You can, you can, you can look up. Right. In, in any scholarly journal um, and ask the question. Right. Do tax incentives work? Right. Is well established. Right. Is well established that tax incentives. Right. Don't work. Uh, they aren't necessary. Right. In the city of Detroit, they aren't necessary. Right. What it becomes is it becomes a farce. Right. It becomes the pretext. Right. This this idea that you have to give tax incentives to big corporations to lure them here to develop. Right. It becomes the pretext. Right. To then initiate and implement uh, trickle down economics. Right. And we all know that trickle down economics. Right. Is a failed economic ideology that simply allows rich people to have more money. Right. It never trickles down. Right. To the average person. It never trickles down to the folks who need it the most. And so it's just another form of trickle down economics that then. Uh, 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 right, uh, enriches those who already have um, and further impoverishes those who need it the most. 
but you know, when we look at the, the budget, even after all of that, right? Detroit got some bread. Okay. D- Detroit got some bread. You know, uh, two point five billion dollar budget. Um, I know that sounds like a lot, but we got to remember this is this is a whole city now. But when we, when we when we match uh, and compare Detroit and to others, and that's annual. That's annual. That's okay. that's 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 annual. I mean. It changes from year to year, but certainly last year it was two point five billion dollars. Okay, right? so that's based on. It, okay. Yeah, and you got to remember too, the last two years we've been coming out of a pandemic, uh, all the kind of the economic constraints and barriers, you know, that put on kind of the fiscal health of the city. That stuff was real, and so we are rebounding to kind of pre-COVID levels. Yeah, two point four, two point five billion dollars is 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 typically what the city is working with. Okay. Um, and so right, the revenue is there, and the revenue, and you, and you have. $1.2 billion in the general fund. What's the difference in the general fund? Right. So the general fund is essentially like all the money that's collected in taxes okay. and fees. Right. It's all the general fund is very important because that's the money you can play with. That's the money you can put over there and put over there. That is the money you can make decisions about in terms of allocation. Right. Mm-hmm. The rest of it is simply is essentially uh, uh, um, uh, grants. Right. Grants and other forms of federal payment and so forth that is earmarked. Right. For certain type of functions. This has to go to sewer. This has to go to transit. This has to go to fire. Right. It has to go to certain places. And those aren't negotiable. Right. Those can't be reallocated. Those can't be moved. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But yet and still. Right. Two point five billion dollars. One point two billion dollars in general fund money. So that's one point two billion dollars. We can start to imagine, you know, how we want that money spent. 1.2 billion dollars and yeah we need to make more investments in Detroiters right and that's essentially what's going on when you look at the budget right the proper investments aren't being made right in certain type of uh, budget items certain type of programs certain type of services that are being underfunded or even done away with completely Hmm. that need to be there Um, and so yeah you know it, it is right a budget is a priority statement you know, what is the priority of the cities, what, what, what the city, what is the priority of our elected officials? And when you look at the budget, it's really, really clear and it's really obvious that, right, the average Detroiter is not the priority of the city. Um, and a lot of times, right, it's developers, right? And it's the idea of economic growth for the sake of developers or the benefit of developers. And so, yeah, we need to start de- investing more in human development, affordable housing, community development, transportation, our parks, uh, libraries, and so forth. Uh, and so how we kind of think about that process of getting money to those areas that need it the most, right, to increase, right, um, uh, right, the, the, the well-being, right, uh, and the experiences of, of everyday Detroiter, right, is reallocation. How do we then think about, right, trimming, right, the, the, the fat, so, so to speak, and pushing monies to, to areas uh, that then improve the quality of life for Detroiters. And so here is the budget breakdown from last year, something that the city did not have on its website. I had to create this uh, from the data that I, ha- I have so we can get a really, really light, nice visual here, right? But as you can see, $4.5 billion, the total budget. And these are typically kind of the main buckets here. You can see sewer and water and debt service. And then in a little white box there, you can see a whole bunch of other kind of uh, budget items and so forth and buckets. Um, a lot of times when people are doing budget work, 
um, uh, nationally, right? Of course, right, we, you know, coming out of the George Floyd situation and Black Lives Matter, it's been a huge call for defund the police. And so you've had a lot of economic justice advocates and organizers looking at public safety, police uh, specifically, and thinking about how can monies be moved around, right, to ensure public safety, but ensure it in alternative ways, right, ways that don't militarize, right, our cities, right, and hand over more resources to police departments to, uh, right, further become kind of, uh, you know, armed occupied force in our communities and on our streets, uh, you know, but as we kind of look over this, you, you know, budget, right, this is how the process begins, you know, we look at, you know, where the money is going, um, and we kind of imagine, uh, uh, you know, where can we start to shift money to make the kind of impacts that we want to make? Um, one area, right, that we can go to real quickly, right, is demolition, right? The city spends huge amounts of money on demolition, right, every year. Right, last year, well, this fiscal year, uh, right, it's $13 million from the general fund is being spent on demolition. $95 million, right, is being spent on demolition coming from our ARPA funds. And ARPA funds, that's the federal relief fund money that we got from the federal government for COVID. And I want to urge of everyone, uh, check out the series that we did with Bridge Detroit. Detroit is different. Bridge Detroit, we talked about that. American Rescue Plan Act dollars, which definitely had a freedom to, uh, or, or uh, let's use that term. It, those funds had many options. Um, we looked at and we kind of compared and looking at other cities that were a lot more transparent about how those dollars would be spent. Uh, the approach from the city of Detroit, I believe, was a little bit more like, uh, you know, a couple public meetings and this is what people said and we're going to execute and do that. But it wasn't as inclusive right. about how the funding would be spent. It's definitely a timeline and deadline on when that money needs to be spent and also the plan for it. Mm -hmm. As of now, last I checked, a lot of it was spent in uh, at, from the city of Detroit on um, a lot of that money was spent in so far that has been actually, you know, used. Uh, in like the administrators, the consultants of what would be planned. Also, it was kind of another little trick bag where we have a, basically a whole brand new city council. Uh, a lot was kind of pointing fingers at the old city council like, well, the old city council decided a lot of how that funding would be spent, so it's hard to even go back. So uh, standing tall, some council members, uh, Latrice Johnson, uh, definitely uh, Angela Calloway, uh, and who else was another one? Uh, Gabriella um, were, were, were some of the council members saying like, nah, we weren't here. We want to allocate some of those funds. But that was even a back and forth. So pay attention to what's going on in our city government because this was funding that could have been allocated in many ways. I looked to the city of Baltimore, was very creative of how they used it uh, and very open. Uh, Baltimore had a program where uh, many people it was just a website where you could submit ideas of what you wanted to do with the with a civil with a uh, I guess like a neighborhood organization community block group things like that we had a program similar to that but as we saw in Bridge Detroit covered that as well it was a lot of uh, larger organizations that got access to some of that funding and not the actual grassroots organizers yeah yeah the, the ARPA situation was crazy but um yeah, um, 
but you you know other money's just going to uh, demolition, um, and so on top of all of that, right? The city also has two hundred and fifty million dollars in demolition bonds, right? That they took out, raising the millages, right, of Detroit property owners, um, and so this is right more money, right, being taken from right, right. Detroit taxpayers. Explain what the millage fund is and and, and where these bonds matter and, and and why is it so important? Because the municipal bond issue, I don't know if a lot of people were paying attention, led to a lot of the challenges of what I consider, and many do consider, a false bankruptcy of the city of Detroit because it never was bankrupt with the money that the state of Michigan still owes Detroit connected to Cobo Hall and what happened with the taxes that people that don't live in Detroit pay in Detroit. So keep up on that game but continue that's right and in terms of also too and the, the money that the state owes the city of detroit and revenue sharing yeah um they do funny stuff with uh, the constitutional payments um which is basically a slush fund that they can move around and so detroit has never gotten their full payments right their full revenue sharing payments um to the tune of billions right but um so millage i, I want people to understand that and municipal bonds Right, right. And so when we think about the millage, the millage is simply, right, a percentage of, right, their home value that that is, is taxed, right, by the city or taxed, right, by a municipality or governing body, right? You can have a millage from the library. You can have a millage from the school district. You can have a millage from the county and so forth, right? They're just taxing a percentage of your home value to then... Uh, create revenue, right, for a particular, right, municipal project or municipal kind of uh, uh, financial need. Um, so uh, kind of the concept is your property is in a place with this much value and to add to the quality of life of this place and your like your property's worth $100,000. The reason it's worth $100,000 isn't just because you got the best interior design. Part of mm -hmm. it is because you're in this place in this location. Mm -hmm. So what keeps this place in this location good is the library, the park, the community college, the the schools or whatever. So we're going to have a millage just based on your property value that we think that the public good of these public services add to your your property being worth it what it's worth that's the concept that's the concept okay. and then also too important to remember about the millage right the city cannot just you know you know slap millages right on people's property mm -hmm. right typically that has to go to the ballot people have to vote on it like we mm -hmm. want a, a millage increase because we want to pay for we want our schools to be better so we'll yeah. pay for that right and you got to remember right throughout the 1980s when we seen massive massive disinvestment in the city of Detroit and Coleman Young was the mayor, right? He continuously, right, asked, right, the city of Detroit, right, black property owners, right, to pay more, right, to keep the city afloat, um, which black property owners certainly did to keep the city running, to keep the city afloat all those years. Um, uh, and, and, and kind of the irony of it is that, uh, right, black property owners keeping the city of Detroit floating for so many years, having those homes then taken away in that land grab that we talked about and seeing this process of black displacement. So it's like, yep, thank you for taking care of it. Uh, now we'll take that back um, um, uh, now that, uh, right, you've, you've nurtured it, right, and, and, and gotten it to this point. Um, but, right, the, the point being, right, huge. And then the bond issue, too. I want you to explain that, too, define that. Uh, right. That municipal so, bond. 
right? You, right. We can think about bonds just like we think about any type of bonds, right? We, it's, 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 it's money that, right, we can, that the city can take out um, almost like a loan, if you will, right? Uh, and so the, the city has revenue, the city has assets, the city has, right, a credit score, if you will. Um, and they use all of that, right, to, to, to leverage that, to take out money, to take out bonds, right? And those bonds then are used to finance and pay for certain type of programs and services and construction and development that the city deems necessary or important to improve the quality of life for its residents or to improve the, the city, you know, as a whole. Um, and so when we when we when we think about when we think about the bonds, uh, right, the, the 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 millage connects to that, right, because then the millage then serves as kind of the collateral, right, mm -hmm. to the bond market. Say, listen, don't worry about how we gonna pay for this; it's already paid for, right. Mm -hmm. We have the revenue stream to pay for that particular bond, mm -hmm. and they're able to take that thing out. Wow. And so that's where the demolition bond comes from. Is that the the the, the city specifically earmarked right money for demolition right through the millage and so all all the money that's collected right from that millage that increased millage right goes to demolition right uh, at the tune of 250 million dollars i think is uh, over the course of uh, i think it's five or six years i can't remember so five or six years but um um but when we think about demolitions, I think the average Detroiter says, yeah, what's the problem? You know, I got a lot of blight around me. I grew up in Brightmore, right? So looking around, seeing this burnt house, that burnt house, yeah, knock these houses down, you know, clear this out, you know, put something else here. That's, you know, that helps the city. And I think it does, right? Blight removal done properly well, does help the city. I'm, I'm going to speak it for you. <laughs> it's exactly like what I said. It's the oversight of how this money is being spent. It's not spent efficiently. And as we've seen, a lot of the demolition contracts and contractors as it was two on my block earlier uh this week asking about some properties over here they're not us they don't look like us it's not coming back to us so it's more money just leaving uh at one point in time it was an a federal investigation about demolitions in and around the city of detroit connected to this current administration that hasn't been brought back up anytime recently but we're very aware uh, just through FOIA request, that uh, a lot of the demolition funding is not being spent is not being spent in in uh, in the most uh, let's call it, uh, it, it it's not being spent smart. It's not being spent effectively. It's not it's inefficient. Meaning that basically the money's being stolen. It's being taken away, or we're being overcharged for what it takes to deliver upon what needs to be done. That's the challenge. And, and I would say absolutely. And I would say this, too. It's not being spent equitably. Right. Mm -hmm. Fairly. It does. Mm -hmm. it, right. And so when we look at a neighborhood like Brightmore, if we look at Linwood um, and we look at the average neighborhood and all of the abandonment and the residential blight, a lot of this money is not being spent right to clean the neighborhoods, right, to improve and develop the neighborhood. What is being used to do, right, is to improve business corridors, right, and uh, uh, 
other type of catalyst identified development areas, right? The strategic uh, uh, neighborhood frameworks and so forth. Neighborhoods that they've identified for high luxury development and so forth. So we're thinking about river, the, the riverfront. We're thinking about uh, midtown. We're thinking about downtown. So a lot of the demolition money is being spent on commercial demolition, right? Uh, industrial demolition and so forth. And that matters because you know, what's going on here? That matters because as we connect that to the development process, what it does, it provides a subsidy, right, to very wealthy, right, typically white developers to come in and developer develop. Why? Because now what it does, it handles, it financially handles, right, site preparation for the developer. And so what it does is create a blank landscape, right, a blank canvas for the developer to come in and build uh, whatever kind of condo or whatever type of manufacturing distribution center he or she wants, right, mm -hmm. without the cost of site preparation, right? And so that is cost that the developer does not have to Right, uh, uh, um, handle. Okay, uh, and wait, you used another economic term. Subsidy is another one of those terms where basically government monies go to private entities. But mm -hmm. continue. Absolutely. And so it, it's, 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 it's essentially like another way in which our tax dollars are being spent in the service of wealthy developers, mm -hmm. right, to move their economic agenda and, and, and program for it so or, they can benefit. Or something that we all are familiar with, Little Caesars Arena. <laughs> so a lot of that excavation or I guess we could say the Chrysler Project that Detroit has obviously helped or, or I guess it's not Chrysler, Stellantis. Uh, project uh, still Chrysler to me, but yeah, right. the same concept. It's like basically the government is do doing the work for the businesses, and now you you basically set everything up where okay, you cleaned everything out, you 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 basically clean cleared out the field, you got all of this dug up, and everything is good. So I can just step right on in, build what I want to build, point and, blank. Right, and I don't have to pay to demo the building. I don't have to pay to to do, uh, you, you know, Inspection, site remediation, yeah. all of that type of stuff, right? Yep. So, right, with this in mind, right, looking at how we can use reallocation to push monies to buckets and budget items that uh, help the average Detroiter, to help majority black Detroit, um, the Budget Justice Coalition, and the budget work that we do at DPP, we engaged in this last year and we were able to get some wins uh, through putting pressure on elected officials and engaging in the budget process. So $4 million, uh, we were able to uh, get to the Affordable Housing Trust Fund, which is uh, a fund in the city of Detroit that's dedicated to making housing affordable for Detroiters. And I say that for Detroiters uh, because when we look at the federal AMI, right, uh, what it does is takes the the metropolitan area. And a lot of times what's considered affordable for the metro metropolitan area is not affordable for Detroiters, right, because the AMI or the, uh, the average median income, right, for the metropolitan area is about $66,000, $68,000, right, for Detroit is about thirty two, so it's half. Right. And so if you're looking at that to make afford uh, housing affordable, that that income level, the metropolitan area uh, income level, uh, right, is, is simply out of the reach of, of most Detroiters. So the Affordable Housing Trust Fund, what it does, it uses right. It uses the area median income right for Detroiters to then gauge what is affordable. And that's really, really important. 
Um, uh, also, we was able to get $27 million to transportation, $11 million to parks and rec, $2 million to home repair. Um, and specifically, when we look at home repair, there was a reallocation of $2 million from demolition to home repair. And home repair is a huge, a wildly popular program in the city of Detroit for a lot of different reasons, right? Um, but yeah, there were some, some stumbles. What we didn't get, we did not get money to the library because of a lot of kind of sticky political stuff. Uh, reallocation of uh, we wanted to, to you know essentially defund demolition right take all of the money from demolition and put it into affordable house, housing and other uh, uh, public areas um, uh, and more kind of money into the to the public health fund specifically um, but when we look about when we think about reallocation right that's one aspect of it and that's a very important aspect of it but we also have to keep in mind right keep this context in mind uh, the way in which development is being done is taking money away from the general fund, which is monies that can be spent on, right, the services and the programs that the average Detroiter needs. So sometimes it's not about the money that we see. It's also about the money that we don't see, right, the money that would have been there if we didn't give these tax abatements and tax incentives to wealthy developers. Uh, for example, right, Dan Gilbert, he has, you know, $700 million tax uh, incentive package uh, to build his Hudson site, uh, $400 million plus, right, to the Illages, uh, $250 million to four. Uh, we get the other, another $200, $300 million for Stellantis, and it goes on and on and on. Um, and so, right, we want to call for uh, the excessive use of tax capture and tax incentives in Detroit. So I'm not saying that sometimes it's not necessary. It, it, it may be necessary in, in some mm -hmm. cases. But uh, what's what we, tax capture? Tax capture is, is essentially what's going on with these TIFs. Tax capture is that process that I talked about uh, with um Right. The, the 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 tax money, the public money that we forego because we give a tax abatement right okay. a package to you. a particular developer. So yeah. what they do is they capture right a particular entity like the DEGC, which is the Detroit Economic Growth Corporation. Right. They capture right a, a certain level of property tax that's being paid by right a corporation or what have you and they don't put it into the general fund where it should go right they'll put it into the, the downtown development authority and they'll they'll use it to to you, you know whatever uh, they yeah do. whatever they want to do yeah. right or and then it also takes it uh because if it's in the general fund now it's it's accountable even to the politicians it's, it's transparency we know what's happening whereas if it's tax captured and into another entity, it's still some oversight, but it's not the same transparency for all citizens to know. Very important. It it is it is not the type of public oversight, mm -hmm. right? And the kind of accountability, right, that the public, right, yeah. can bring to kind of their elected officials, right? Mm -hmm. That is missing when we have these kind of private, public, right, yeah. hybrid entities like you the DEGC. You can't have a FOIA uh, request for the downtown development authority. Exactly. You but can't I can FOIA, FOIA you know. request exactly. a government entity. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. uh, and so a lot of these things are being done, like, behind the scenes, you know, and, you, you know, not kind of public hearings, open public forums and so forth, the way in which DEGC, the way in which the DDA is spending, right, the, these, 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 these uh, captured taxes. 
Um, and so, you know, think about right at the beginning of the presentation when I talked about uh, we had predicted that every year, right, the city of Detroit is foregoing about $100 million in tax monies that would have gone to the general fund. So that's $100 million missing out of our general fund. And so we got to think about it. What what you know? What could we spend that one hundred million dollars on? Where could that one hundred million dollars uh, go? Affordable housing, uh, you know, libraries, parks, and recs. That that is a huge uh, amount of money that we're missing uh, for public investment. Uh, so what what can we do, right? We like I already said, we can start to call for uh, this this extractive uh, put a stop to this extractive de development that's occurring, um, this excessive use of tax capture and tax incentives for development. Um, also, to think about ways in which we can protect our community from the displacement that comes from these type of extractive models of economic development um, and invest in our communities, right, properly. Uh, when it comes down to the budget, how can we allocate and how can we prioritize the needs of the average Detroiter? Um, um, and so certain actions we can take right now we are in the budget process right now we can call for right this reallocation uh, of demolition spending to affordable housing to our public libraries to public transit um, and then also too as we think about the monies that we forego right the monies that's missing out of our budget how can we start to think about um, less extractive models of economic development, more community-based models of economic development to say that, to, to say this, if we're going, right, to collect tax dollars and give it away to folks, right, for the sake of economic development, give it to us. Give it to us. Let us do the economic development. Right. Let us be the stakeholders. Let us be the economic partners. Let us create the economic vehicles that then push economic development forward in our neighborhoods. Uh, and so in that type of way, we create the kind of built environments. We create the type of neighborhoods we want to see. But then also, too. Right. We create the type of economic opportunities. Right. And we increase the material conditions. Right. Um, and the levels of income necessary. Right. To fully prosper. So uh, I, I'm going to push back a little bit mm -hmm. on you and I'm going to challenge you the way that we always hear this, especially when it comes to like even so much of Detroiters not working in Detroit deals with. They say the talent doesn't exist. <laughs> um, it is the talent here in Detroit to execute this, and then one, and then two, is this, uh, what precedent does this exist? Uh, is there a city, is there a model that, that we've seen effectively where this does take place? I, I would say there may be some skill gaps, but, but not the type of skill gaps that can't be met and the type of skill gaps that can't be closed. Right. And so as we think about tax monies and the way in which we want those tax monies to be spent, why can't we create right educative programs? Right. Why can we, we create skill development programs? We can certainly do that. But this is the this is this this is the, the vicious cycle part of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Tax money is being foregone. Right. Public funds are being foregone for the sake of economic development mm -hmm. that then 
takes away from our schools, takes away from our ability to properly provide skills and educative, education services to our people so they can compete, right? And then at the same time, creating conditions that push them out economically because they don't have those skills to compete, right? And so then, then what, what, what then interrupts that process? So it becomes cyclical because basically it's like chicken or egg. Exactly. You, we create the conditions and the culture for this to exist. And then the second thing, uh, as I said, is this, uh, where is a model that we can look at as something like this does happen where the citizens themselves are involved in oh, man. the development? Oh, man. So many, so many examples. I'll just give you a few. Um, I just left L.A., right? There is a group, a community-driven group. Right. These aren't rich people. It's a community driven group in South Central. It's called Destination Crenshaw and it's comprised of community block groups, neighborhood associations, other black led CDCs, neighborhood development corporations and so forth. And what they've done is, right, they have partnered, right, with, right, city council, right, and, uh, right, uh, the local government, right, in Los Angeles, right, to set aside money, right, for local economic development. And so public lands that would have been given away to, right, you, you got to think about it, real estate in yeah. L.A. is, oh, yeah, man. It's, it's especially in South Central now. It, it is yeah. the number one real estate market in the world. Right. It's the number one real estate market in the world. And so to get any piece of land, right, public land in, in Los Angeles and, and it is, is, is a feat in itself. And yes. so they were able to get public land to develop themselves. And they are coming up with infrastructure plans. They are coming up with cultural anchors that then uniquely kind of brand the area. Right. African-American. Right. Uh, you, you know, uniquely black and so forth. Uh, there is another example right here in our sister city, Cleveland. Um, with the uh, cooperative, the, the Evergreen Cooperative Development, right, where the city has set aside money, raised money in partnership with other entities in the city of Cleveland, um, the 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 hospital, uh, the universities uh, in Cleveland to create a cooperative right, for local Cleveland residents. And so they've literally created an economic entity of ownership, right, that, that the average residents can be a part of, right, so they can own the economic process, right, they can own the business itself, and they, they create a procurement, right, kind of processes for them. And so all of the, right, so the, the university and the hospital, all of the, the type of, like, uh, you know, uh, materials that they need for certain type of things, they automatically contract it out to the cooperative, right? And so some, this, this thing takes some coordination, some publics and some private coordination, but it's certainly absolutely possible. Another example is in Boston with the Dudley Street Project, right? That is another community-driven process of cooperative economic development where a bunch of community groups came together, right? They created community land trusts. They created cooperative vehicles of economic ownership, right? And they have businesses and they are driving economic development forward, right, in their communities and their cities. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So with this, what can we do right now? What I, I see what you said, but how do we get involved in this budget process just as a citizen in Detroit? One thing we can do right now that's very, very pragmatic, right? Very, very concrete and very, very easy is that we are in the midst of 
our budget process right now. So the city is putting together our budget. Um, and the city has a, it's not participatory budgeting, right? But it is a process by which they say they take, right, resident and community input into account, right? And they call this, right, the Community Priorities Budget Outreach Program, right? And Say so that one more time. The Community Priorities Budget Outreach Program. Right. And so simply it's an outreach initiative by the city. Right. To then reach out to community and say, hey, what do you want to see from your budget? Right. What do you want to see us spend your tax dollars on? Mm -hmm. Right. And so we followed this process over the last year. Um, and. Right. There isn't the type of engagement that is, is that is it needs to be more community engagement to really put an imprint on it. Right. To, to, to really make an impact, to really get community voice into right, the budget. And so that's what we've been doing. We were trying to educate more people on how to be a part of the process, how to get their voice to the city. Right. So we can make an impact on the final budget, how the budget looks. And so right now, uh, about three, about two weeks ago, right, the city held district meetings. Right. in all of the city council districts around the city. Right. Right. Rolling out this uh, the 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 uh, budget outreach process and uh, people showed up people asked for affordable housing people asked for more money for transit people asked for more monies for uh, uh, parks and recreations and so forth everything that I talked about and so that kind of in-person uh, uh, outreach is done right but folks can still get involved by uh, sending demands and sending their budget demands to your budget at DetroitMichigan.gov Right. And so if you want affordable housing, if you want more affordable housing, something that many reasons uh, uh, residents, most residents called for during these uh, district council meet uh, district meetings that was held in all of the city council districts. Uh, send the city right an email. Right. Tell the city that. Right. Uh, you want more affordable housing. Tell the city you want more less money for demolition and more money right allocated to. Uh, 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 transit and other kind of city uh, programs and services. Okay, well, last question. And again, grit, rich, rich information. I thought this would be shorter, but I'm glad we got in here like we needed, needed yeah, for to. Sure. Um, how do I write in reference when I email your budget at Detroit, Detroit, I guess, MI or Michigan.gov, DetroitMI.gov, so not to confuse anybody. How do I write them? How, what am I putting? It's like, do I say more houses? Do I say, like, how formal should this be? What, you know, should I use a template? Uh, does Detroit People's Platform have a template? Like, it, do I send them, like, a list, like a grocery list or something? Like, how do I go about that where, you know? I would say this, uh, you know, I think this differs you know, from person to person, um, because, you know, somebody may want to express different type of explanations and rationales as to why they want to see A, B, and C, but that's not necessary, right? Okay. Simply what you have to do is document, right, your budget priorities. You, mm -hmm. you, you can send something as simple as, I want more affordable housing, okay. right? But me specifically, in particular, I would ask for more folks to be more specific, Right. Okay. I want money moved from here to there. And what 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 we have identified at Detroit People's Platform and the Budget Justice Coalition, that excessive amount of money is being spent on demolition. 
right? So what we would ask is that less money, right, be spent on demolition and more money be spent on affordable housing, right? That there be a reallocation of public funds from demolition to, right, the affordable housing trust fund, to right to counsel. How how much are we talking? Like, okay, because I, I looked at that and you said that 250 is over like five years. Are we talking like... One million, two million, and, and that's the same thing with the semantics of like defund the police. It's like, okay, we fired a guy, that we just defunded the police. Like, how much are we talking in figures? And then, do you suggest putting that amount of money on there too? Um, the, the two hundred fifty million. So no, that, I'm that's saying money like that, when I oh, write my suggestion for the budget, should I you, put an amount or should I just say because you know, you know, it's it's, it's politics. You know what I'm saying? Like, absolutely. The more yeah. specific, the better, right? Okay. And because it 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 then prevents, right, city, it, it prevents people who are interpreting, interpreting these things to wiggle out of it in certain type of ways, right? And so the more specific you, you get, right, you get sharper and you can get the outcome that you, you, you really want to get. And so what I would do is that last year we can see that about $10 million uh, all in all was allocated to demolition, specifically from the general fund. $10 million, right, from demolition. Right. Because ARPA money is already being spent on demolition is no reason general fund money should be spent on demolition. We already spend in hundreds of millions of dollars on demolition. Ten million dollars. Right. Reallocated to the affordable housing trust fund or break up that 10 million the way in which you. How you see fit. You see but fit. you think 10 million may be a number to look at, but maybe 50 million. But either way, be specific. Be right. Look at the more look, specific, the better. I have another suggestion, and you can give this too. You should mm -hmm. CC Detroit People's Platform too. That That's way, right. they can stay abreast to a lot of these emails too. Because sometimes, you know, hearsay is hearsay. So, what email? What's just the general info? CC right Detroit People's Platform at info at DetroitPeople'sPlatform.org. Again, that's uh, info at DetroitPeople'sPlatform.org. And I'm going to put that on the bottom so you guys know. Um, I don't know what those numbers are, but make sure you're specific. We definitely want to get some of those emails. How long do they have uh, to get these emails in? Um, the process is going to go all the way up into to February. That's when the mayor will present his 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 budget recommendations. So all the way up into February, I will be writing the city um, and putting those priorities and those demands in. Okay, that works. Thank yep. you so much. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate you. Yep. Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories, never before told in any other media outlets. On Detroit is different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit Is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store.